With the 2018 Miss Universe competition in our rearview mirror, we are looking ahead to the 2019 pageant season and I hope this episode is going to be a good one for you guys because we are talking about how to manifest the crown and get you ready for the 2019 pageant season and set you guys up for success this next year in your competitions. Today on this episode, I have Crystal Bell Salisbury and if you haven't heard of Crystal Bell Salisbury yet, you guys need to get in tune, like stop living underneath this rock you're living in. I know it's winter and it's cold outside, but stop living underneath the rock. Crystal Bell Salisbury is a pageantry consultant, a financial coach, an author, a blogger, and a speaker. She's the best-selling author of Manifest the Crown, Affirm the Queen, and Kingdom Finances. That's three books, y'all. She currently resides in Alabama and has been competing in pageants since she was 17. She has experience in all areas of pageantry, like competing, obviously, judging, coaching, emceeing, and stage management. She is the founder of the Glamour Effect Pageantry Life Coaching and Event Consulting Service. The Glamour Effect's mission is to empower women and girls for success. Crystal also has a passion for endometriosis awareness. And she spends her time educating others about the disease through her platform called Code Yellow, an alert on endometriosis. She's a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated and is a professional public speaker and speaks on topics like she will today, which includes self-esteem, self-confidence, etiquette, and goal setting. Talking about those SMART goals. So get your notepads ready along with your glasses in this episode because you're going to need it. We talk about how to pageant prep, how to budget, how to spend it like the true queen or king that you are. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and listen to it a few times as we get ready for this 2019 year because it's going to be a good one and I can't wait for it. Enjoy this episode. Until tomorrow's episode, peace. Hello, Crystal, and thanks for joining us on Pageants and Prosecco. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. You know, can't complain. Can't complain. So I wanted to talk to you about your book. You have a book, Manifesting the Crown, mm-hmm. and just your experience in pageantry. So let's just start with who you are so you can kind of tell listeners about you and why they should know who you are. Okay. For starters, my name is Crystal Bell Salisbury. And when people ask me that question about who I am, I like to tell them that I am a woman that lives a purposeful, unapologetic life. And what that means is everything that I do, I do it for a purpose and I do it operating in my passion. And I don't apologize for that, regardless of what society may say, regardless of what people may perceive about me. I live my life authentically and unapologetic. Um, As far as my background in pageantry is concerned. I actually started in pageantry when I was 17 years old. And I started because 
of encouragement from my mother. She initially encouraged me to do pageants and I absolutely refused because mm-hmm. I didn't see myself as a pageant girl. I was more of an academician. I was really a big, you know, into my academics, into my school. So that was kind of my um, forte, so to speak. So pageants that just didn't fit in with my, you know, in my world, in my, as, as you, as I could say. Um, so Eventually, I decided to do a pageant, and the reason why I started to do a pageant, I got some information in the mail randomly from the Miss Teen of America pageant, and as I was reading the information, I was drawn into that pageant because it wasn't your typical beauty pageant. They, um, I was reading the information, and they described a girl that was into her academics, into community service, socially aware, and I thought to myself, that fits me. So mm-hmm. I decided to join that pageant system, Miss Teen of America. I competed in the Miss Teen of Alabama uh, state prelim, and that was in 2002. And I did pretty well my first year competing. I was the 17-year-old Achievement Award winner, and I won the Community Service Award. And that pageant pretty much catapulted my pageant career. And I competed up until 20, my last pageant was in 2017. I okay. did an um, online pageant called the Miss African American United pageant, which was a different pageant that I had participating but no, I was normally doing live pageants and since then I've been coaching consulting working behind the scenes at a national pageant and writing books so kind of where I'm right now oh nice so how many pageants have you competed in since you started oh wow <laughs> I probably should have <laughs> that down let's see <laughs> <sighs> let's see one two three that's a quite a bit yeah it's probably over 10 Oh, wow. I would say that, yeah. If I count mm-hmm. from the time of 2002, I was 17 at the time, and I'm 33 now. So I would say over 10. Oh, wow. So what mm-hmm. do you think you learned about yourself as you have grown older in the pageant world and just from competing consistently? What have you learned each time you went on stage? One thing that I did initially learn when I first competed is that I learned a new sense of believing in myself. Because that was one of the, that was also a reason why I didn't compete because I didn't feel like I would do well. I didn't really have a belief in myself. I didn't have the self-confidence. And um, I did early on suffer with having low self-esteem, low self-confidence and pageantry really helped me build my confidence and build my self-esteem. And it really taught me that I can do anything I set my mind to. And I've grown in that. And I, I have that mindset now that anything I set my mind to, I can accomplish it. I like that. I do like that. So I know your book, talks about um, manifestation and really like believing in yourself and seeing your goals and visualizing your goals. So can you just tell, can you just start with what got you interested in looking at, I guess like the spiritual side of pageant prep when it comes to focusing on you and Mm -hmm. seeing your goals and writing things down as opposed to you know, preparing like walking in here heels or doing your talent or interview prep. What got you interested in doing the mental part of pageant prep? Well, what got me started was actually was much later on in my pageantry career. I um I met a lady who happens actually to be my godmother now. She introduced me to the the concept of really having a positive mindset. Cause I'll be honest, early on I was kind of a negative Nancy <laughs> about things. And I just, I always saw the worst in things because things, I guess at the time, wasn't working out the way I had envisioned them to. So I kind of just had a negative outlook on life when it came to career, 
relationships and just, you know, life in general, I was going through a really rough patch. And in 2000, I think it was like 2008, 2009, my, my godmother introduced me to this concept of really, you know, having a positive mindset, you know, say, writing and saying affirmations. And at first when she introduced me to that concept, I wasn't as receiving of it. It took me mm-hmm. a while. Um, but eventually I decided, you know what, nothing else is working. Let's give it a try. And of course, you know, I, I am a devout Christian and I've, you know, I've come from, a, I'm a woman of faith, but still, I was still struggling, you know, with the being positive and just really affirming my own self. So that's kind of how I got started. And I started reading books like The Secret. Um, another book that I started reading was um, The Game of Life and How to Play It. It's actually a very old book. Just really teaching you about, you know, envisioning your life in the positive aspect and not just looking at the negative. You know, of course, bad things are going to happen in life. That's just how it is but you have to focus on the good and once you focus on the good more good will come to you and then once I really kind of started working on myself I started to do that as far as mental preparation as far as being in pageants and I started journaling more I started really saying affirmations more really just thinking really you know pure thoughts positive thoughts and just really creating positive affirmations for my life oh wow so -hmm. did you use the same affirmations when you were competing say that one more time were you using those affirmations when you were competing? Like for each individual pageant, did you have, I am Miss, insert pageant name here. Absolutely. Like, did, you, did you change your affirmations up as you um, advanced in your pageant career? I did. Anytime I was competing in a pageant and I wanted that title, I would write in my journal and I would say, I am such and such pageant title. And I would do that for days, weeks at a time. And it's amazing how when I started doing that, I started winning titles <laughs> because I was so focused on, you know, the main goal and I wasn't letting, you know, outside, you know, distractions distract me from what my real goal was. And I was writing in my journal and I was not only was I writing, this is the key thing. A lot of times people think, well, I'll just write it. It'll happen. No, you have to visualize it as well. Like you have to literally visualize yourself on stage, you know, giving your best performance. And, you know, at the very end, a crown is being bestowed upon your head. Like I went through the whole process. Wow. And that that has been very beneficial to me, not just only in pageantry, but just in life in general. So, yeah, you know, I would write the actual I am and I would put it in the present tense. I would I would never say I will be because that's future tense. When you're trying to manifest something, it's always good to put it in the present tense like it's already have happened. And I would write in my journal and, you know, I have I have several years of journals in a box somewhere in my house. And I go back and look and I say, oh, wow, I really did manifest that. <laughs> and, you know, and at the time, you, you know, because I'm writing every day and I'm not, I'm thinking about it, but I'm not too focused on it because a lot of things are going on in my life as well. But then I look back on it, it's like, I really did bring that into reality. I really did. And it creates a sense of belief in yourself and your energy is up and you, you have these positive vibes and it really helps. Wow. So what, okay, so let's just start from like, like, I guess like not the beginning, but how do you think journaling, because you're the second or third person on a podcast, on this podcast, who mentioned physically writing something down and visualizing themselves. I think a lot of one percenters, a lot of high achievers always kind of visualize themselves winning first or writing things down. Or I even like, I watched Simone Biles' movie the other day. She wrote uh-huh. down, I'm going to the Olympics you know, regardless of how old I am or if I can make it in four years. She's like, I'm going to the Olympics. And I believe that was for 2020. Um, and I think she wrote it down also for the other Olympics she competed in too. Mm-hmm. But 
what is it if you know that is about writing things down or saying it or visualizing that is helping a lot of people see this through and a lot of people are winning what's like the this physical science behind behind it do you know well for me writing things down makes it more real for you because if you don't write it down in my opinion, this is just purely my opinion, it doesn't make it more real. It doesn't make it more of a reality. And I'm really big on not only writing things down as far as journaling, I'm big on vision boards as well. Because when you see a pictorial display of your goals and dreams, you're more eager to act on it. Because I'll say this, a lot of times people think if I just write it down, if I just put it on a board, it'll happen. No, you have to put the work in behind it. And it just gives you a visual reminder to put in the work oh and that's and that's instrumental because a lot of people they get confused and they think well if I just write it down it'll happen if I make a vision board it'll happen no it won't I'm like if it does that's great however it gives me as it's it's a reminder to me to put in the work so I think with I get from my perspective and from my experience it just serves as a reminder to put in the work and it made it more real for me to really put action that makes total sense it's just like you kind of always see it you kind of subliminally like work yes. towards it it's always in your face because like my vision board you know actually I put it down because I got Christmas decorations up but it was it's in my living room and I see it every single day several times a day so mm-hmm. I'm constantly reminded of what I need to be doing wow okay that's really good I think I should start making a vision board um for 2019 I usually do them but I don't really do great artistic work on it <laughs> So I think that's going to be my goal for 2019. So do you make your vision boards like separate? Is it like life and goals and career or is it all just one, one, one board? And do you separate it into categories? I actually have not. And I'm actually, that, that is actually a good idea. And I probably should do that for, you know, for the past few years I've been doing them. They've just been, a, you know, pretty much everything that I want to accomplish, whether it's pageantry related, career related, entrepreneurship related you know, financial re- related. So I kind of just throw it all together. And then with, now that I'm married, me and my husband did one together this year. So it's his goals and my goals on the board at the same time. So we kind of got real creative with ours. Because one, one of the things, the beauty is about vision boards, you know, there's no perfect vision board. You can do it, you know, however you want to do it, whatever speaks to you. But yeah. I do know people that do separate boards. Mm, okay, okay. So what are some other techniques and strategies that you have to help people um, win the crown or focus their dreams um more I like to focus their dreams have a pinpoint goal what are some of your techniques and strategies well first one thing I tell queens you know anytime you want to manifest the crown and really bring it into reality you first have to shift your mindset and I and I say this because we consume so much throughout the day whether it's tv the internet Radio, social media, we, we're consuming so much. And it's important that you monitor what you consume because everything we consume is not good material. And it can begin to affect how you believe and how you think. So the first thing is you just need to really shift your mindset and reevaluate what you're listening to and what you're watching. And if that means going on a social media fast for 30 days while you pre- prepare for the crown, then so be it. You know, sometimes it's that, sometimes it may be that extreme because if, especially if you're affected by things you see on social media, whether it's you see in other contestants, you think they're prettier than you, they have more going on, that can really affect your competition strategy, you know, as you prepare for the crown. So if you have to take a break, you know, so you can really focus on yourself and being your best self, that's important. Also, examine your environment. 
That includes your family, your friends, your coworkers, associates, people who are around you on a given. I know sometimes you may cannot help who you're around all the time, but <laughs> you can distance yourself from certain people, especially if they're negative. You know, I'm, I'm, um, I consider myself an empath, meaning that I feel everybody, you know, energy, <laughs> like their positive energy, their negative energy. And I, for me, it's hard for me to be around negative people. Yeah. Uh, it's important for me to really protect my energy and who I'm allowing into my space. And I think that's important for girls who are in pageantry. You can't be friends with everybody. <laughs> you can't be around everybody because everybody does not have your best interests at heart. You have to protect that, especially if, if people don't believe in what you're doing. They may think pageantry is frivolous and they don't understand why you're doing it. And they may say something negative. It may in turn affect you and how you feel about pageantry. So that's important as well. And also I said this earlier one thing that's really helped me is to write and recite affirmations and affirmations are nothing but positive statements of support. You know, things that you believe about yourself that are good. Cause there's a such thing as negative affirmation. So I'm talking about the positive ones. Like one of my favorite affirmations is I am fierce and fabulous. And another one I like to use a lot is um, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, which is a, actually based on a biblical verse in the Bible. So anything mm-hmm. that you create for yourself, that's positive, and you can, you know, marinate on it and it can become a part of who you are, that's, that's beneficial. And also with, with you shifting your mindset, once you got into a positive space, then you can move on to the next step is the preparation part. You know, can't leave that out, which is key. You know, you have to rehearse, you have to practice, you know, if you need help, you need to hire a coach. If that's, you know, part of your budget, you need to study, you know, your material, whether it's looking at pageantry websites like the Pageant Planet or subscribing to Pageantry Magazine, things that's going to help you to be up to date on what's going on in the industry is important as well. Yeah, you got to present your best self too. Yeah. You know what's going on. Know what's going on. You know, you have to, you know, know how to deliver an interview. You need to know how to properly walk on stage. You know, that's, that's key. You know, you got the mindset part down that's good, but you got to prepare too, so... Yeah, and something that you touched on was that there are negative affirmations out there. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of don't know that you're hurting yourself with your negative self-talk on Absolutely. a regular basis. And I feel like that's kind of our our fallback or like our default mode is to just mm-hmm. like talk down. And some people say, oh, I'm just hard on myself. But you're really putting out negative vibes into the air about yourself. Like the same way you could do positive affirmations, you're tearing yourself down with negative affirmations. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like you're not good enough or you're not smart enough and I'm never going to win this pageant. You know, if you're always saying that to yourself, then of course you're not going to win because you don't. How can you convince a panel of judges to to select you if you don't believe in yourself? So, yeah. And that's one thing that um, Luciera mentions, too. She's like, you need to tell these people, the judges why you're the winner and if you can't if you can't show them why you're the winner then why are you the winner like you have to you're trying to convince them that you're the person who needs to be crowned but if you don't believe that in yourself and you go on stage and you don't truly believe that then you're not really giving them a good message or a good vibe to send that's why you're not winning plain and simple yeah so when it comes to talking down to yourself that kind of builds into self-esteem you know, mm-hmm. what are some ways you can try to increase your self-esteem or some methods of building confidence to say, you know what, I can do this? Because I think one thing that happens in pageants is that people compete once. Like like you said, you get something in the mail. I think I got something in the mail, too. 
I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure how I started. But so you're like, okay, I could do this, you know. And then you don't win. And then you're just like, well, shoot, I got to do it again. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just take an L. And so then you do it again. And then you're just like, well, I didn't win this time. Well, I just got to do, I just got to do one more. Let me just do one more. And then you start learning. And then you start realizing your mistakes. And But you don't have necessarily have a coach. So you didn't do it. You do it again. And just like, man. So then you start advancing, you get coaches, and you start getting better and better. But how can you, so I say that to say, a lot of people enter pageants just on a whim, but their confidence might not be there, or their self-esteem might not be there, or it might not be at the point where it needs to be to be queen and to win. So what are some ways to kind of build your self-esteem to compete in a pageant? One way that helped me was I started reading the right things I'm an avid reader so I, I'm a big believer in reading books and reading books that are I guess people call them self-help okay and just reading the right type of material because we read so much all the time whether it's you know things online you know that's you know of course you know you, you, people have the the right to read whatever they want to read but it's also important to read good sound material and I know as being an avid reader, I read, you know, books that will help me become a better version of who I am. So I will say reading is important. Also, just like I said earlier, protecting your energy, protecting who you surround yourself with, protecting what you see, what you hear, because that feeds into your, cause social media. Let's just be honest. You know, a lot of people's self-esteem is torn down by social media because they feel they measure themselves against another person they may see online and they may think, well, this person has 10,000 likes, but I only have 500. And they base their self-esteem on that, which is a superficial way of, you know, basing your self-esteem on. But that's just the society we live in. So even with social media, we have to protect, you know, how much we consume online in the social media space. And also, um, I like to listen to motivational talks. Like, I'm a YouTube fanatic, so I'm always Googling uh, mo- motivational speakers, whether it's Les Brown or Tony Robbins. Or let's see, who's my favorite? I love Les Brown. Love Les Brown. Oh my gosh, he is amazing. Um, so he has, like, a, he has a great story. Like, he does, and I think that's why I was drawn to him because he had an amazing story. And um, Lisa Nichols is another one. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. So just a, you know, listening to those motivational talks, you know, of course, you know, you can find those on YouTube, which is free, so you don't have to spend any money. So just really, you know, monitor what you consume, consume good stuff, because that really will help build your self esteem. True. I listen to a lot of um, Gary Vaynerchuk, too. Okay. You know, he's not like a motivational speaker. He's like a motivation, like a um, Charlamagne, a guy calls him a corporate thug motivator. (laughs) (laughs) So he really helps motivate people to get business started and to make money um, Mm -hmm. and like a motivator for your business. But he also talks about real stuff, too. Like, like, don't just sit here on watching lost for seven hours and then wonder where your day went exactly like, stuff like that so i watched a lot of gary v and he's very he's very and then he's real like tony robbins is too where they curse and they're in your face and they're like look you're messing your own life up like like mm-hmm. you're you're wasting your time doing this and that's kind of the talks that i listen like i like to listen to i'm like man i am like <laughs> but i definitely will have to vouch for you on listening to motivational talks and i listen to um uh pastor td jakes too or bishop T. Yeah, T. Jakes. jakes is a good one yeah, yeah so many out there you know 
you know, the internet has allowed us to just type in a person with a Google search to find all types of motivational speakers and people that really will speak into your life. And I think with women and girls who are in pageantry, it's just so important to find someone, you know, even if you can't physically touch them, they're so far away, like T.D. Jakes or Lisa Nichols, you can at least, you can at least listen to them or watch them on YouTube. Or if you want someone more physical, you know, find a mentor, which is, you know, which is important as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any mentors? I do. Um, I consider um, one of my pageant directors, well, I was one of her former queens. I'm no longer competing at the moment, but um, I still work with her on her national pageant. Um, Carrie Juliana, I consider her a, a mentor. Um, consider my godmother, Tawana Neely. She's a mentor as well. So those, those are women I, that I call, that I look up to. And anytime I'm, when it comes to pageantry, I'm always calling Carrie because, you know, I'm always trying to, you know, do new things in the industry and with my blog. So I'm always calling her to bounce ideas and she has amazing ideas. So she's been really good. And my godmother, when it comes to the positivity and staying on track and making sure I'm protecting my mental health, I call her. So, Yeah. And it's also good to have people in your circle too, that's going to support you too. Mm-hmm. So um, when it comes to pageants also, one thing that people kind of struggle with is finding that platform and finding a platform that they're passionate about that they can speak passionately about. So how would you suggest finding the right platform when it comes to the whole encompassing the crown and your dreams and use, and I, and I think a lot of people kind of just latch on to a cause just so they can have something, but they're not necessarily behind it 100%. So what would be your recommendation for finding that right platform that you're passionate about? I would say find a p- platform that speaks to you and I, let me break that down. Um, like you, like you said earlier, there's a, there's so many causes out there. You know, you have breast cancer awareness, you have, you know, diabetes. You know, then the, the titles, the subject matters are endless. But you have to find one that really speaks to you and one that really resonates with you that you have a personal story behind. For instance, I'll use my personal platform of endometriosis awareness. And the reason why that's my platform was because I was diagnosed with stage four of the disease in 2008. So, of course, it's going to resonate more with me because I'm actually living in that experience and I know what that experience has done for my life. So Mm -hmm. something that, you know, that you may have a personal experience with is important. I think is important. It's something that really speaks to you and and resonates with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my platform is ovarian cancer awareness, ovarian cancer and ovarian cyst because I dealt with ovarian cysts but it's similar symptoms to ovarian cancer as well but a lot of people don't know and a cyst can easily turn cancerous after menopause um or you know just from my symptoms the cyst could have been ovarian cancer it could have been a tumor but thankfully fortunately it was benign Mm -hmm. so I always try to tell people to just look at your life and see what you've been through and see if you can use your struggles to empower somebody else, no matter how small you might think it might be. Like if you have like eczema, you might be like, well, you know, I can't really necessarily, but but you don't know who else might be affected with other skin disorders or, you know, anything else that that they can resonate with you um, because they have a similar experience. So for anyone listening, try to find a platform, just look into your life See what you've been affected by and kind of see how you can eradicate that problem or at least lessen the epidemic of it. Absolutely. And one thing I can say about my platform is actually helped me turn it 
into turn my platform into a speaking career because now I speak on the subject matter all the time. So that's one of the benefits of having a platform that speaks to you and resonates with you that you have a personal experience with is that it can turn to something else down the line. Yeah. Did you end up using, did you use your pageant um, career to bounce into the career you have now? Actually, I did. I'm actually in pageantry right now. That's kind of, that's part of my career. So um, I'll share a backstory in 2017, March 31st, 2017, I actually quit my full-time job and decided to pursue entrepreneurship full-time. And I um, really had this epiphany in 2016 that it, it was just time to leave. Um, I was in a bad mental space at my former place of employment. And I, and I just wasn't progressing the way I thought I should. And it just was a very negative environment. So I took some time, I prayed about it, sought counsel, and I just made a decision to jump and just leave and really pursue entrepreneurship full time. And I really wanted to stay in the pageantry field. So um, right now I'm focusing on like coaching and consulting and helping girls creating workshops and writing more books. So it re- pageantry really did help me, you know, move into my career because I'm actually still in the pageantry industry right now. Plus I'm, I do amongst other things as well, but yes. Would you get into coaching, like coaching for real? Oh, yes, absolutely. I started coaching when I was still working full time in 2013. I had my first client in 2013. And at that time, I wasn't doing it consistently. It was kind of every now and then. But um, I know right before I I was living in Montgomery, Alabama, which is the capital city of Alabama. And I had more clients then and I was coaching a whole lot then. So I actually moved to a new city. So my coaching clients are not as prevalent as they used to be. I'm in a smaller town. So I'm still trying to build up the coaching part of it now now that I moved to a, a smaller city. So, yes. I do do coaching. Oh, nice. What is one of your first coaching techniques that you share with your girls or that you have shared shared with your with your girls? One of the very first things, I, I go back to that whole mindset thing. And I tell them, I say, you know, you're competing for a reason, whether it's to win a crown, whether it's to, you know, win an accolade, develop self-confidence, you know, you have to first shift your mindset. Like if you, if you already come in with negative energy, you're not going to manifest anything. So we work on the mindset first. And then once I kind of see that they're, you know, they're believing in themselves, you know, it takes a while. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to happen in the first session. But once I see that they're, you know, being receptive of what I'm telling them, then we can work on the mechanics. Let's work on your walk. Let's work on your interview, which I think I, I focus more heavily on interview more than anything, because with many pages, interview is heavily weighted. So I focus more on that. But I, we first work on that mental part. You know, you have to if I if I don't see that you're wanting to be here. If you're not enthused, then kind of hard to win a crown. <laughs> if yeah. you're not, if you're not, you know, enthusiastic about it, you don't want to be here. You don't want to coach. You don't want to practice. Then what are we here for? So we have to work on that mental part first. That's so true. Um, and then kind of going back to your life as a as a pageant woman in the field, how can you? What would you be your advice for someone who's interested in? using pageantry to launch like a full-time career and to take that leap of faith and to quit their nine to five and to work for themselves. What would you tell them or how would you suggest going about that? And well, also, some- wait, what jobs are kind of out there for someone to take on full-time in pageantry? Well, I will say this. Anytime you're trying to, if you're going to take a leap of faith, make sure that that you do it strategically. And I'm going to say, and the reason why I say that is that, you know, you want to make sure 
that you do have some money set aside. I think that's important that you um, put it, have everything, you know, have some money set aside and already have already formulated a plan before you quit. And what I, what I mean by that is when it comes to pageantry, you know, there's so many elements of pageantry. You have coaches, you have directors, you have um, makeup artists, hairstylists, you know, all those who work in the industry. So you have to determine, you know, where you are if there is a need for your service. And of course, you can do that through a number of ways. You can survey your social media following. You can ask questions of, you know, people that's in the industry and just determine if there's a need. Once you determine that there is a need, I will say during that time, especially while you're still working in your nine to five to refine your skills. If you, if you, if there's some areas that you need to work on, whether it's taking a class, reading a certain book, watching a YouTube video, just really refine your skills. And, you know, also you have to market and brand your business. You know, if people don't know you, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to make money if people don't know you exist. So you have to <laughs> put out there and market the heck out of your business. And with social media, with it being a free platform, I would utilize that. To the, to the utmost possibility yeah and also it's important you know once once you transition out you have to create a daily schedule and that's one of the you know it can be a gift and a curse with being an entrepreneur because your schedule is on you <laughs> so sometimes you give yourself permission to slack off but you can't do that because when you're slacking off you're not you're not being productive and if guess what if you don't be productive you don't create materials you don't create books you don't create workshops you don't make money so it's important to create a daily schedule like some people like to mark up their days like from eight to nine I'm gonna do this from nine to ten that worked for me in the beginning <laughs> but I've noticed that my days shift often you know that they're different every day so to-do lists have worked for me a list of things I need to do for that day and like I said don't slack off I know it's easy to want to just be in bed and watch Netflix all day because you don't have to go to nine to five. But when you do that, you're, you're not accomplishing anything. So you have to really stick to a schedule. Um, and I will say this, you have to be patient. And I will say this because even though I put my job almost a year and a half ago, I'm still not where I want to be in my entrepreneurship efforts, but that's, that's because it takes time. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It may take me years before I see the success that I desire. But one of the things that has helped me, you know, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a full-time pageantry person yet because I have several things. I have several streams of income. So I think that's important as well. Um, while you're focusing on your main thing, have some other streams of income that can help you to, of course, you know, pay the bills and fund the business as well. Um, so I think that's important, you know, especially, you know, especially if you don't have a, a huge, huge savings to live on for a year years to come I would say have several streams of income which you should be doing that anyway I, I believe in having at least seven um, I'm almost there not quite there yet but that's my <laughs> ultimate goal to have seven streams of income and not to rely on just a one source true that's mm -hmm. so true um so what are some other ways that you can kind of turn pageantry into a career like how would you recommend someone is a competitor for a few years and then switch size or do you think people can come into pageant new and start a career here new? Or do you like? Do you think they should have some background as a competitor first? It just depends. If they're trying to be a coach, I would say yes. You would need a background as a competitor. And if you're a makeup artist or hairstylist and you've been doing that for years already, I think you could come into the industry and do well. But if you're trying to be a coach or a director, um, I think it's important to have that competition side. Um, mm -hmm. it's important to have competed 
I just I I I wouldn't be a, a successful coach without my pageant competition days. I just don't see how I could have done it without you know competing first. Yeah, true. And I think a lot of times, like directors who haven't competed, they don't understand the struggle of being a contestant, mm-hmm. um, and they have all these like unrealistic expectations yes. for us, and they're just like, really, like you don't know what it's like. Mm-mm. Yeah, unless you've had a daughter that's competed before, you you wouldn't know what it's like. Yeah, and I think some of the best directors or coaches or anyone in the industry are people who are who were contestants and they probably saw a need or a lack or a problem and they try to fix it. Um, so they switch sides. Yeah, and like I said earlier, you know, determine the need. You know, if you you know, I see, you know, it's it's crazy because I see needs all the time, and it's like, well, I can't address all. I gotta kind of stay in my lane, but. You have to determine, you know, if there's a need. You know, you see there a pageant system is lacking, then maybe it's your time to create a system that fulfills that need. Or you see that um, a lot of contestants are, you know, lacking in self-esteem, then maybe you should incorporate that in your coaching packages, you know, self-esteem coaching. So That's so true. That's such a good idea. Because um, I never really thought about that, too. Like, different, like, like I never thought about that different packaging and coaching and stuff like that too that's kind of smart yeah because I, I in, my, in my coaching packages we work we work on the self-esteem because i see i see i've seen it as a need for years you know because i've i've and what what has helped me see it as a need is because i've touched every area of the industry i've been a competitor i've been a judge i've been an mc i've worked on a national pageant system backstage so i've kind of seen every aspect and i take notes with every experience because i'm like okay this is something that i could probably you know, be of service to girls and women in the future. Mm. The This podcast actually came about because of my terrible experience on Miss Black America, which I will continue to speak out about, um, but it birthed the podcast. Mm-hmm. So there was a need for that. And there's not a lot of podcasts talking about pageantry in this way. There's a lot of podcasts that are coaching girls, but not just talking about the industry as a whole, like mine is, or I'm trying to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so far, go ahead. I said you saw a need and you filled it. Yeah, and I was gonna tell people for our listeners, you know, kind of look at the problems that you see and then try to see how you can fix it and be the solution. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's one thing that I teach my students too. Like when they're looking for a job, to no longer write like a cover letter. Like, you know, the cover letter typically just fully explains your resume they're going to see your resume already so you don't need to go into detail about what you did in your life I tell my students to rewrite their cover letter as a pain letter so identify a pain in the company like say their social media is awful or something and you're actually really good at social media because you're a millennial now you identify the pain in that company and so then your cover letter will be like hi Mr. So-and-so um I'm trying to think how I told them to write it but it's a it's a article on Forbes where I saw it and they're like oh hi so-and-so I am excited to put my resume in for this application um, or for this position I saw that your social media like if the job was for a social media manager I saw your social media is underperforming and this is some ways I can help you perform that so now you're you're helping the boss alleviate one of his stresses and they're like oh we can just hire someone to do that and then now you got the job and here you go and you just blow up you know or even if you have a job and you kind of want to move up, ask other people what they don't want to do. You know, if you're new, what do you not like to do? What do you not want to do? And then try to take on that load for them. And then you become valuable in that company because 
you are helping people solve a problem that they don't want to solve. You know, it's it's easy. Absolutely. Well, at least it's, it sounds easy. <laughs> <laughs> and then one thing I also want to talk to you about was when it comes to competing in pageants, I know it's all glitz and glam and whatnot, but some of the hardest things is budgeting and finding money and finding sponsors. Yes. And I know you're, you're very, um, you are very good at helping people to budget for a pageant and in life really. So what are some techniques you have for girls who want to compete in pageants, but the finances aren't there? Yes, that's that's all. That's always an issue in pageantry because it is an expensive hobby. I will say that. <laughs> yes, yes. But, um, one of the ways I, I always consider myself the frugal pageant queen. I just don't believe in spending thousands and thousands of dollars to compete. Um, and I find ways where I can offset the cost. And one way that I, some of the ways that I teach girls, and I and I actually have articles on my blog, um, crystalbell.com, about this very matter is that when it comes to budgeting for a pageant, one thing that's very important initially is to actually create a budget. And when I say actually create a budget, I mean to physically write it down or type it of every aspect of pageantry that you're gonna have to pay for, whether it's the application fees, the, the actual pageant fees, the dress, makeup, hair, everything that you're willing to pay for and just actually create a budget and spend the money on paper first. Mm-hmm. And once you spend it on that way, that way it has a, it, you, you see a physical representation, representation of what a pageant is going to cost. You physically run it down and it, it, and you have to hold yourself accountable to it. Meaning that if you say that you're only going to spend $300 on a dress, guess what? You're going to be looking for a dress that costs $300. You're not going to spend it on $400, $500, but if you, if that's what you're going to spend, stick to it. And you, and you you must, uh, your budget holds you accountable in how much you're going to spend. So I think that's important first is to write a budget. If your budget is, for the whole pageant experience, $2,000, well, you got to break that down, how much you're willing to spend on each aspect. <laughs> you know, not going to the hairdress and having your mom do your hair because she'll do it for free, then so be it. <laughs> so, you know, so you have to look at it from that perspective. So creating a budget is important. Okay, once you create that budget, um, it's also important for me, I'm, always, I'm big on side hustles. I tell people this all the time, you have to have streams of income because a lot of times, you know, we may have our full-time jobs or our full-time entrepreneur endeavors. It still may not be enough. So it's also good to always have that side hustle that can be catered to just your pageant expenses. And one of my favorite types of side hustles is being a brand ambassador. And I tell queens this all the time. It is one of the easiest and most fun types of jobs you'll ever have. And you make really good money <laughs> doing it. So something like being a brand ambassador, you can make anywhere between 15 to $50 an hour, you know, working events at festivals, at football games, and representing a, a certain brand. Also, a good side hustle is mystery shopping. A lot of people think mystery shopping is a scam. It's actually not. There are a lot of legitimate mystery shopping companies. I'm a mystery shopper. I've done it for mm, about two years now. And you can make a significant amount of income being a mystery shopper. And there are several companies that are legit that will pay you actual money. So just finding that side hustle, that stream of income that's dedicated to your pageantry expenses. And you don't you don't touch it for anything else. It's strictly for pageant stuff. So that's important as well. Also, I'm big on shopping at like those online pageant resale um, shops online, your thrift stores, consignment stores, 
people kind of you know look down on that but you'll be surprised what you find at places like that i actually found a dress a, a evening gown at a thrift store that had never been used still had the tags on it paid ten dollars for it end up being second runner up in a national pageant with that dress on oh wow because it doesn't matter how much the dress costs it's the it matters how you look in the dress how you feel in the dress do you feel confident are you walking confident because you i can spend thousands of dollars on a sheer heel but if i don't look confident in it i'm not gonna win the pageant so that's sure. the reality you know so it doesn't really matter how much the dress costs it's how how are you working like are you working the dress do you mm-hmm. look confident in the dress you know so and i tell people you just never know what you find at places like that you know um and also i'm also big on bartering for services for instance let's say for instance that one, one way i bought it for service this was a couple of years ago i was coaching one of my sorority sister's daughters for a pageant and i um i was coaching her initially and well, of course she ended up paying that i was coaching her initially and then she she did my makeup for me for free because i didn't know how to do makeup for my because we were doing the same pageant but she was in a different division Mm-hmm. So she was able to do my makeup for me. So think about things like that, something that you can trade off. Like if you want to offer a free coaching service in exchange for a makeup application, something like that. So that that cuts down your cost as well because you don't have to spend money on a makeup artist. So you can use that money. That money you were using to spend on a makeup artist could be could go towards something else. And also, you know, there, you know, when it comes to um you know, there's just different things out there online that you see, you just, but you have to take time to do it. I think a lot of times the pageant girls, they feel like they don't have the time to do all that, but you have to set time. If you want to save money, it's going to take some time. You're going to, it's going to take some time researching, going online. And, you know, of course, you know, with the side hustle, finding the right one that's for you, actually doing the events, you know, you know, getting the payments, it just takes time. And also when it comes to coaching, I know a lot of people may not can afford coaching, YouTube is your best friend. There are pageantry <laughs> things on YouTube that you can look at. We have pageantry websites. You have the pageant planet. <laughs> I'm like, free your website. You can go and look at look up coaching articles. You know, I have a pageantry blog. You can go look up my articles. So there are ways to cut costs. You just have to be creative. True. True. And a lot of people who are pageant experts, they've done interviews. Um, on different ops, on different platforms. So just look up some of their interviews. You don't actually need to hire them. Sometimes they drop gems in their interviews, like you on this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> and you actually had one of the uh, one of the people on your podcast that I follow, Danny Walker. She drops gems all the time on her on her YouTube channel. Yeah, she does. I, I, I listen to her all the time. So you know, people like that, you just never. You know, I know a lot of times you can't afford coaching. May not be be may not be can be a part of the budget and I get that because some coaches you know they, they can be expensive but there are some that will put their information online on YouTube on their blogs so just take the time just to do the research and just stick to the budget you know if you say you're only going to spend look, look at your pageant and also you may have to determine if a pageant is just too expensive for you you may have to just decide on another system if it's just really out of reach for you and you can't spend the money there, you know, you may find a system that's much less more expensive, but it gives them, you know, that's still more in, it's in line with your purpose too. So, yeah, it's all, about, it's all about research. It's all about research. I agree, and I think sometimes we probably need to like have a, a like a pageant fund, like a savings account. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you want to compete in a pageant and you still have time, maybe you should wait till next year and then start saving up for that pageant, so that way you can come in with more money into it. 
it's just something to consider. It's a great idea. And you actually wrote a book about finances too, right? Kingdom finances. Mm-hmm. Do you mention pageantry in there? You know, I actually don't. What the book is actually just chock full of pa- of not pageantry. <laughs> it's chock full of financial principles that I live by, and it just really gets people to really thinking about how to handle money, because you know we're you know we're taught in the society to spend, 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 but you know once you if you spend everything, guess what? You don't have anything to show for. So it's just really teaching you different ways to look at money and how saving is important how paying off debt is important and just really giving them key financial principles so they can really start making changes in their financial life so what would be a big financial tip you can give to our listeners Um, pageant related or beauty related or christmas related comes to holidays what's one nice financial tip you can throw at us the first one that just popped in my mind was just because you can doesn't mean you should. Oh. And, I, and I say that because a lot of people will think, okay, I have this money. Well, I can just buy whatever I want. True. However, just because you can doesn't mean you should. It's always important to really be thinking ahead because you never know what January may bring, what February may bring. Something may come up that you really want to do, but because you spent all your money in December, you can't do it. Oh. So just, you know, so, you know, it may, because, you know, for, I'm, I'm big on, I'm not really a consumer of things. Like, I'm not a big shopper. That's just never really been my thing. And pe- my mom thinks I'm just crazy. She's like, you just don't shop. It's not that I don't shop. I'm just strategic about my shopping. And I just don't believe in just, you know, spending so much money on certain items when I can get it cheaper somewhere else. And I, I believe in paying, uh, spending money on experience. I like to travel. So I'll spend money in that arena. It's because something, you know, with, when it comes to traveling, that experience you can never, I'm like, it's, it's always going to be with you. You know, with clothes, they get old, they shrink, you throw them away. You know, shoes, mm-hmm. with shoes, you know, you wear them for so many years, they get beat up, you throw them away. And then you don't remember them five years later. That experience you're going to always remember. So I just think it's important to really prioritize how you spend your money and don't just spend just because you can you know, just all, it's important to, you know, you know, our parents, grandparents used to always tell us save for a rainy day. The reality is it's true because rain will come. It may not come tomorrow. It may not come two weeks from now, but rain <laughs> will come. Rain will come. It's going to rain. So it's important to set yourself up financially to where you always have that safety net, that savings account, because you just never know what's going to happen. The tire might go flat in two, in two days. And if you don't have money set aside, then it's kind of going to be hard to get the tire fixed because you just spent $300 on shopping, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just important just to prioritize. And if you, and also another good financial tip is don't try to keep up. You know, people say don't keep up with the Joneses. You have to examine your financial life and do what's best for you. And don't compare yourself to other people because you're not them, you're you. So do what's best for you. And of course, eventually, if you're, if you're staying on the right track, you're you're budgeting you're saving you're paying off debt you're, and of course I, i'm a big believer in giving too eventually you're going to be the level of financial success it's going to take time it's, it's like i said it's not a sprint it's a marathon it takes time but eventually you'll get there but don't try to get there too soon trying to keep up with everybody else yeah that's so true um something else i just thought about too as far as like budgeting i heard this on um 
Mercury pageant planet, which I happen to work for. Quick disclaimer. But um, <laughs> one thing that people recommend, Jess- Jessie Ledoux, the queen of coaching, mm-hmm. she says that if you're competing in a pageant, to buy your wardrobe early. Like, if you know you need an interview outfit and a pageant's in August or so, it's December now, you know, probably consider looking for an interview outfit now. If you know you need, like, seven outfits, don't buy them all the week or the month before the pageant and spend, you know, buy all seven outfits at the same time. Use the year to start buying these outfits, you know. Don't just, don't wait till last minute. You could look for an interview outfit today. You might not wear it or need it, but you have that interview outfit. And she's absolutely right. That is very, that is very important. It's just to buy it in increments because it makes it easier. You know, it's not as overwhelming. You know, when your pageant comes, it's like, oh my gosh, I got to spend $2,000 on all this stuff. If you do it along the way, it does make it easier. Yeah. And I think that kind of also helps with like um, goal setting too. Cause then you're just like, you're consistently working towards this in, in small bits and pieces, taking tiny little steps. Mm-hmm. So, how can you have our listeners get in touch with you if they want to work with you one on one or even just to look at some of your books? You have three books. One is Manifest the Crown. The second one is Affirm the Queen, which I just love the title. And <laughs> it's 50 Affirmations that Empower Women and Girls for Success. And the crown on there is so gorgeous. Is that yours? No, I actually, um, I hired a, a book cover designer and um, she told me to uh, go through this list of pictures to find. And that was the crown that I found online and reused it. It's one of, I think it's a, probably a stock photo or something, but uh, oh. that's mm-hmm. It's really gorgeous. It looks like a like a I've never seen that crown before. So it was it, when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, that's it." <laughs> yeah. And then your third one is Kingdom Finance, which you mentioned, which mm-hmm. is uh, principles that empower you to properly manage money. So, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about who you are and to work with you? Absolutely, I'm on all social media handles: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at I am Crystal Bell. Um, you can visit my pageantry blog at www.crystalbell.com um, and they can get in touch with me that way as well as my books are on that website. It's actually on the front page and you can just click on each title and it'll take you to my Amazon author's page and you can purchase the books that way. And I will say this, um, crystalbell.com is actually getting a name change soon. So it will be something totally different. But until, of course, anytime you put in crystalbell.com, it'll still redirect you to the new website. But um, it's crystalbell.com. Okay. Do you know what you're changing it to? I do. It's going to be called Crystal Clear Pageantry. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. So it should be, the new name should be up and running sometime later this month. But if not this month, it'll be the first of the year. So I wanted to kind of do a whole different name change. I, I initially named it after myself back in 2015 because I didn't know what to name it. And I was talking to one of my blog mentors. She said, well, you can name it after yourself. And then I have since then got married. So it's kind of hard to kind of keep the name in to really tie the name into pageantry. So I wanted to really create a name that is relevant to pageantry. So I said, well, you know, I like the whole crystal clear. That's kind of my tagline. So I'll just add pageantry to the end. So we're going to call it crystal clear pageantry. That's good. I like that. So stay tuned, listeners. Oh, wait, and I do want to know, what got you so interested in working? And maybe you answer this, but what got you interested in pageant and like working in pageants full time to say like, I know you wasn't a competitor, but what got you interested in just saying, you know what, I'm going to stick to pageants and I'm going to work in pageants because you might compete, but you you want, you know, want to be a doctor or you want to be a lawyer. But what got you interested in competing and then just saying, this is going to be it. I'm going to stay in pageants. 
I'm trying to think what really got me started is like I've always had this passion and to really work with women and girls and one of the ways that I wanted to really stay in to really work with them which of course I work with them in many capacities was in the pageantry world because there's women and girls in pageantry and that was an industry that I just so love you know when I'm even when I'm backstage when I'm coaching I just feel so fulfilled you know and it's just it's just my happy place and I just really because I've grown so much in the industry I grew as a person who came in with low confidence to a person who has high confidence. I've developed communication skills, something I never had before. And I wanted to really give back to an industry that helped build Crystal Bell Salisbury. And I really wanted to stay in that industry as well, because I see a need, you know, I see girls who have goals beyond the crown and I really want to be there to really assist them in that journey. So. Oh, well, nice. Nice. I, I feel like a lot of people who get into pageants full time, um, on the other side, not just competing, are always interested in that goal part and just seeing a goal accomplished. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool to hear your perspective on that too. I think a lot of people just have like, because you know it is a work. Like you're you're helping someone work towards a goal, and just to see that manifest, you know, I think that's kind of brings us all of our rushes and whatnot. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us and having our listeners learn more about you and who you are and your love for pageantry and thanks for joining me on the podcast i really appreciate it oh thank you for having me do you have anything else you would like to add and let us know about um i think that's about it and i will tell you i will say this i am sipping right now on um a pink moscato because i know that i know the podcast is called uh, patches and prosecco yes yes, yes. huh i said yes 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 Yes, and, I, and I'm sipping on a pink Moscato at the moment, which is actually, Moscato is actually my favorite wine of choice. Is it really? It is. <laughs> you know, you should, um, if you like Moscatos, you should try Rieslings. Have you had a Riesling before? I've had a, I love Riesling as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, who is your pink Moscato by? Is it? Don't tell me the It's a, a brand I bought at Walmart. I think the brand is Barefoot. Oh, jeez, Crystal. I know. I'm kind of a cheap wine girl. <laughs> <laughs> You can get nice cheap wine for the low. I'll help you out. Okay. But it's not as good as I've had a Diasti before. Yes. Um, and that was good. But I was just, I just said, let me try this because I don't think I've ever had this brand. And I said, let me try it. It's, it's okay. You know, I like Moscato. So, yeah. You know, <laughs> those name brand wines, those bigger ones, I'm tell people, you got to try some that are like lesser known. Okay. I think some of the other wineries or just any winemakers that are not as known, I think they have some better wines than the ones that are like mass produced. Oh, okay. But I do like a yeah. nice pink Moscato myself too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and this is actually my first time with a pink Moscato. I normally get the other kinds. So I just let me try this and see. Yeah. And actually, since you mentioned the Asti, um, Moscato Diastis are the sweeter of the Moscatos. They are. Mm-hmm. And the Asti's, and for people who are listening, it's D apostrophe A S T I. Um, it's an it's a region in Italy, so they're coming from a certain area in Italy. Awesome. Fun facts that I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sipping with us and for joining us on the podcast. I do appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you.